Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, hello. It is Wednesday night, and that means it is time for Friends and Fiction. And we are back after a two-week hiatus. Boy, did we miss all of you. We are so glad to be here with you tonight. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends and Fiction. Four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent bookstores, authors, and librarians. Christy is on a rare vacation tonight with her family after several grueling weeks of book tour, but she'll be back next week and she sends her love. I know she's sad that she can't be with us tonight. But tonight we will be talking with our old friend, author Leon Dolan, who's Lost and Found in Paris is just out this month. Of course, you also know Leon from the very successful Satellite Sisters podcast. She runs with her sisters, Julie and Liz. You might remember that we celebrated Mother's Day with the three of them just last year. So we are excited to chat with Leon again in just a few minutes. But because we've been gone for two weeks now, we have quite a lot to catch you up on. Right. And do not forget that, you know, we continue to encourage you to support indie bookstores when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page where you can find Leanne's books and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. And we also want to remind you that Christie's newest The Wedding Veil is available in bookstores right now. And Mary Kay's The Home Wrecker is out on May 3rd. Of course, they're both available wherever books are sold, but if you want a hand-signed first edition of both books plus a little gift, you can order the Friends and Fiction Spring Box from our friends at independent bookstore Oxford Exchange. You'll receive a beautiful, and when I say beautiful, they do such an incredible job. They do. Delivery of both books, each of them signed, And since Christie's is already out, you'll get it just as soon as they ship it. You know, and I've got to say, I just saw Christie earlier this week in Vero Beach was was one of her tour stops. It was just so awesome to see, A, all the friends and fiction people there, but B, the way people have embraced her book so much. I mean, it's such a great book. If you haven't picked it up yet, I hope you will. And of course, if you get that Oxford Exchange box, it also comes with the Homewreckers, which is also a book people are so excited about. So I mean, we, did about. we, oh my gosh, I, it's going to be such a huge hit. So we're so excited for that. Well, as you feel, well, no, see, no need for fingers crossed, Mary no. Kay. We know it's going to be amazing. Well, we have been hard at work since we last saw you. So of course, Christy and Patty have launched their books and Mary Kay and I are gearing up for our book tours in less than two weeks. But we also put together something new and really special that we're excited to tell you about. See, you give us two weeks of free time and we don't even know the meaning of that. So we fill it with new friends and fiction endeavors. <laughs> Exactly. Don't give us time off. We're just going to come up with more stuff. So (laughs) I don't think any of us know the meaning of the word vacation. Mm -hmm. I mean, Christy is technically on vacation today, (laughs) but we've already, we've been texting all day with her. So I don't think we've, we've given her a chance yet, but guess who benefits from our tendencies? You out there. We are so thrilled to announce this brand new thing we have going on. It's a brand new partnership. It's the first time we've talked about it. You are the first to know. And it is a partnership with a cool new social platform called Fable. It is a book club app for social reading. That's right. Fable is a social reading app for online book clubs. It's a free app for your phone or tablet with loads of incredible book clubs to join. Their mission is to deliver the world's best social experience with exceptional stories for everyone. 
We have joined forces with Fable to start a brand new premium club because we're nothing if not premium. <laughs> and we are calling it the Friends and Fiction Behind the Book. It's a totally interactive book club. It's not just a book club where you read it and then answer some discussion questions. And it's an interactive book club led by us. That's right. You will get a different book every month and we want you to join now for the full immersive experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to buy the book or anything. There's lots of different ways to read. Um, you, you can check out the book from the library. You can read it wherever you've bought it, or you can buy it straight through the app. But it's just kind of a really, it's just interactive and amazing. So as you read with us on Fable, you'll discover the story behind every featured book, plus fascinating insider talk with the authors. Fable's unique social reading features will let you share your reactions, thoughts, and favorite quotes with us and with fellow readers. And you'll gain access to special resources you can't find anywhere else. And our first pick is The Wedding Veil, the brand new best-selling novel by Christy Woodson Harvey. Let's read Christy's latest together to discover deleted scenes, the inspiration behind her unforgettable characters, numerology secrets hidden in the pages, historical fiction research tips, and much, much more. Yeah, so you can visit fable.co, so that's not .com, .co, fable.co backslash friends and fiction to sign up today. And just as a heads up, we want to make clear that this is different from the friends and, fiction, uh, friends and Fiction official book club led by Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, who we, ad we absolutely adore. Um, you know, more than 11,000 of you are members of that club. But this is a completely different format. They're very different things, different names, different experiences. It's more like a read along at your own pace where you kind of get to read along with other people on the page. Um, and it has um, lots of special add-on features, insights, you know, and all of this lives within this really unique app. Whereas, of course, what Lisa and Brenda do is have the guests on each month, the featured book author on each month, to do a really deep dive into that book where you can talk with the author. So there's just different experiences. But we do feel like this is cool and cutting edge. And we hope you'll give it a shot along with us because, you know, maybe it's just the future of reading. That's I, we get so excited when we heard about the opportunity to do this. And um, we just hope you're along for the ride with us. Now, the cost to join our premium club on Fable is just $5 a month. Or you can purchase an annual premium all-access premium membership for just $70. And that's for the entire year to join our club as well as any of the other clubs on Fable because they have other book clubs, including LeVar Burton's book club. How cool is that? <laughs> so we hope lots of you will subscribe. We know, we don't think, we know it is going yeah. to be a ton of fun. And it's an additional way to interact with the four of us as an extra added incentive for you to join. We have an amazing giveaway running for the next week. Sign up for Friends and Fiction Behind the Book on Fable by midnight on Tuesday, April 26th, and you could be chosen at random to win this, the picture's about to show, entire adorable book cart stocked with books. I already downloaded the app. So and I this, just have to imagine the, the book. The, yeah, the oh, just imagine it. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like it's not there. I was like, wait, what happened to it? So it is a, it is this adorable green um, book thing, and it's full of books loaded. that you can win. Yes, it's loaded down. Yeah. So visit fable.co backslash friends and fiction to sign up today and automatically be entered to win. We'll announce the winner on the April 27th live show with our guest, Jane Green. Now, can you handle even more excitement? I can. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the second anniversary of our very first show, which we'll be celebrating next week because we want to wait until Christy's back. Yeah. But what better anniversary gift to us than realizing that we get to go on the road to see all of you. We are so excited. So not only do we have an amazing spring-summer schedule coming up on the show with guests including Harlan Coben, Adriana Trigiani, Ellen Hildebrand, Jason Mott, Emily Giffen, Laura Dave, Tia Williams, Jennifer Weiner, but the Woof. four of us, I know, phew, but the four of us are hitting the road for three, three 
Friends and Fiction live events this summer. So the first will be on May 4th, which is um, two weeks from today in Cleveland, home of our dear friend, Ron Block, who will be hosting us for a big theater event with the Cuyahoga County Library System. And then after Cleveland, we are headed to the Jersey Shore two weeks later on Friday, May 20th for another amazing event at the theater. We're going to be at the theater this time with independent bookstore Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey. And the third one on tap, a luncheon event on July 21st in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And we will start sharing all of that ticketing information soon. And we really, really hope that you can join us on the road. When we first started this two years ago, it was because we couldn't leave. We couldn't hit the road. And now we get to hit the road together. And all of us who have come together over the past two years in this virtual space, we can, we can meet up in real life. So we're excited to meet you, but it's also, I think it's so much fun to watch you meet each other and connect in person after connecting online too. So we're excited about that. Sean, I think you have the picture of that, um, of that cart so we don't have to imagine it anymore. Let's see. Yes, there we go. Yes. How cool is that? It's like a friends in fiction, uh, uh, like, pale green color and um, just absolutely loaded with books. So that is the cart that one lucky winner will roll away with um, for uh, signing up for our Friends in Fiction, um, the new book club that we have on Fable. Um, so that's the Friends in Fiction Behind the Book book club at fable.co backslash friends and fiction or download the app and sign up friends and fiction. All right. Now we hope that you are already downloading the Fable app and planning your road trips to Ohio and New Jersey and Delaware. So while you are doing that, we would love to welcome our guest for the evening, the wonderful Leanne Dolan. Leanne is the author of three best-selling novels, The Sweeney Sisters, my favorite, Helena Pasadena, yeah, and Elizabeth, it. The First Wife. She's also a regular humor columnist for Pasadena Magazine, has previously written for TV, radio, magazines, and websites. Leanne is also the producer and host of Satellite Sisters, which is an award-winning talk show she created with her four real sisters, as opposed to her four unreal sisters. Which are us. <laughs> which are us. Um, and the, um, the Satellite Sisters have also written a book together called You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship, which is popular with book clubs. Maybe, maybe I just want us to be her fake sisters. We're going to have to ask her yeah, when exactly. she comes on. She's kind of a captive audience when she gets I know. Her. What is she going to yeah. do? Say no? no. And, then, yeah. and, and then suddenly Sean's live feed just goes on the glitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Leanne, as a talented speaker who combines humor and heart, has appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, CBS Sunday Morning, and the Today Show. She has been a speaker featured at the LA Times Book Festival, which is where she'll be next weekend if anybody is out that way. The Santa Barbara Celebrity Authors Lunch and dozens of other events across the country. Leanne lives in Pasadena, California with her husband, two sons, and their German shepherd. Her new book, Lost and Found in Paris, was just released on April 5th. Sean, can you bring Leanne on? Hi, Hi, my friend. Hi, Listen, I, I signed up for your book club while Yay! you were doing it. I'm a premium member. I want that, oh, I want that cart full of books. I want it. That's I mean, look at awesome. you guys. That's fantastic. Hey, maybe we can rig it so she wins. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I you just thought that out loud is what you said. Did exactly. I say it out loud? Just yeah. our secret. Just our secret. You know what? If she'll let us be her sisters, her honorary <laughs> sisters. And now we you, put her on the spot. You are my satellite sisters. That is the term satellite sisters. It, we always intended it. You don't have to be blood sisters. It's just the people yeah. that you turn to when the best thing in your life true. happens or the worst, or you need right. to call somebody yeah. and you know, rage about the terrible haircut you just got. Like those are your satellite sisters. So yes, of course you're my satellite sisters. That's awesome. Of course. Okay. I love that. And Leanne, are you saying one of us has a bad haircut? We're a little insulted. No, uh, I was no. like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> well, for, I would never say that publicly. Uh, <laughs> Privately, maybe, but not not in front of people. We're among people. That's true. Yes. No, I know. And to your real life, to your real life sister, you you pull her aside and say, "What were you thinking?" Yeah. Actually, we would go to another sister and go, oh, my God, did you see her hair? And who's going to tell her? Yeah. Who's going to tell her? 
<laughs> nobody. Nobody's going to tell whoever. Nobody. <laughs> well, now that we've established that we all have perfect, gorgeous hair, mm-hmm. Leon, mm-hmm. can you start us off tonight by telling us a bit about Lost and Found in Paris? Oh, sure. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy this book is out in the world. It took a while for it to be birthed, so <laughs> it's just a thrill that it's out there. Uh, thank you. I love seeing it. I love the cover. Um, this is an art history treasure hunt, is how I describe it, because um, there is a mystery that happens, but I'm not a mystery writer. So I thought, Ooh, that's a lot to say. If people are expecting a real mystery and it's my book. They might not, they, they might be suspicious, but, um, the main <laughs> character is an art curator. Uh, she works here at a museum in Pasadena. It's based on a real museum, but it's fictionalized in the book. She happens to be the daughter of two very famous people. Uh, her father was a famous artist and her mother was a supermodel, you know, because it's fiction. So you can do yes. that. You can make stuff up. Um, but I wanted to kind of look at fame, too, as a concept. So uh, so Joan is thinks of herself as the average daughter of above average parents. And oh, um, in her work as a curator, sometimes she has to courier art from one place to another, from her museum to another museum or from her museum to maybe a buyer, maybe they're deacquisitioning a piece. So she gets she's she's in a rough patch. Things are going south in her life. So she gets the opportunity to go to Paris with this piece of artwork and she takes it. And she goes, she makes some poor decisions, night one. And uh, long story short, the artwork disappears. And so that starts this kind of treasure hunt and journey of self-discovery all throughout Paris. I mean, nothing better. It's so good. We all loved it. Thank you. That's a great way to talk about it. And I'm still reeling at... um, at Joan's husband, who not only has sex with mm-hmm. his former assistant, but manages to have twins with her. I mean, right. it's bad enough to have to have an affair and then to have yeah. a baby, but to have twins, that's that's secret that's family. Happened. Secret yeah. family, you know, they happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, there was something about I mean, one baby's fine, but twins? Uh yeah. so, um, <laughs> over the top. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that is that is what happens to Joan right at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Um, is based on a story, true story of happened to a friend of mine. So oh, many no way. No, oh, yeah. no I. <laughs> at, at the pajama party. Just like think of that, right? At the after party, you can tell us all who that was. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> we'll do. Um, but yeah, I mean, things things happen. Life is messy. I think the older I get, the more I realize life is very messy and families are very complicated and marriages and relationships don't, it doesn't all end up. They don't go on a straight arrow. No, no. no. And you're not just, everyone's not sitting on the couch watching British murder mysteries and falling asleep at eight 30. Like my husband and I are and they're doing things and some of it's not great. (laughs) Let's let's talk about the setting in this novel. Although, although the, the theme of the secret family kind of is harkens me back a little bit to the Sweeney sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to yeah. go there. We're going to talk about the setting in Lost and Found in Paris, mm-hmm. which everyone, if you haven't already gotten it, should get. Um, you know, in this book, um, we feel so connected, not just to the characters, mm-hmm. but also to the places that you're writing about. And I think for all of us, um, for a lot of, I think all of the writers on this group, um, setting is so important. That's why, like in my books, including the Homewreckers, my new one, it's set in Savannah, a place that has captured a big piece of my own heart. Would you tell us a little bit about your connection to Paris and why this book is set, th- set there and how you managed to bring it so alive on the page? Thank you. You know, um, I love books with a sense of place. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I yeah. again, I think that's why your books are so, all of your books are so rich. Like, I like to go somewhere with my book. Yeah. And I can't, I hate when I watch TV shows. I'm like, what generic Midwestern town is this? This drives yeah. me crazy. Um, so, and I also like fantasy places. I mean, why not go someplace fabulous in your book? You know, uh, I, I, this book starts in Pasadena, which is my hometown, but goes to Paris because who doesn't want to go to Paris? I mean, yes. really, there are, I, I mean, there are very few people that don't think if things really went badly in my life, I just <laughs> want to go to Paris for six months and, you know, wander around and, and eat bread and drink wine and, and look at the men. Like, that sounds good. 
Uh, so, but so I and I had spent a lot of, some time in Paris in my twenties. I, I was there as a student a bunch of times, and then my first job out of school. I happened to have a job that um, I had to go to Europe a lot for. It was a pretty good gig. Uh, so I would make stops in Paris. But when I sat down to write this book, I hadn't actually been there in twenty five years. You know, oh, wow. life happens, kids happen. I mean, we went other places. We just didn't get to Paris, and so um, I started by just googling the heck out of Paris, and you know, then I started following all the Parisian Instagram accounts and all the, the bloggers and starting getting newsletters. And I was just trying to get back infused in Paris. I mean, I knew what I loved about it, but I didn't know if that would serve the plot well. Um, and so, and you can find everything online. You can go to Google yes. Street View and there, there you go. You're creating the hotel where they stay and the, the atelier where, they, where action happens and the restaurants they go to. Um, so I actually wrote a complete first draft of the book and sold it before I actually went back to Paris to sort of oh, check wow. the story. Um, my son was over in Europe doing his, uh, his study abroad program in the before times uh, in 2018. <laughs> and so we went and we sort of tracked the whole book, which was really fun. Uh, we went to the oh, fun. Some of which I hadn't spent a lot of time in, like Montmartre, which is factors really heavily in the book. I hadn't spent a lot of time there. Um, so I just, I had to just sort of fact check myself on this trip and it was great. And then I could remember, oh yeah, the smells and the, oh, and the food and, you know, the feel of the cobblestones and the rain and oh my gosh, how gorgeous the women are. So I, yeah, you know, yeah. you just, that all came rushing back to me, but I just think Paris is a magical place. Yes, and you is. managed to, you really managed to put that on the page, yeah. which Thank can you. be tricky, very yeah. tricky. I was nervous. I'm glad I did mm -hmm. the second trip back. I think, and yeah. there was a part, there was one section of the book where I was, um, you know, there's a lot of art history in it, which is not really an area of expertise for me. And at one point I was like looking up stuff on Google on one day and then like writing it in my book the next day. And I realized, wow. I, no, it was terrible. This <laughs> oh my gosh. I got, I was like, I sound like an idiot. I sound like, uh, uh, for college freshmen, like cramming for a paper, and in, okay, I learned this yesterday. I'm putting it in the book. It was just, I just cut the whole section. I just, I cut it out. I cut pages. I was like, no, I have to rethink how this whole oh treasure hunt works and where they go and everything like that. And that is, so I think, I think I did the right thing, but it can be hard to cut, as you know, it can be hard to cut that many pages. Uh, so yes. I just had to let the book be more Parisian and more art history. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and it's seamless. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I certainly don't notice 50 pages of art. Missing, okay. Yes, you know? yes. so, yeah. No, I know. I'm even perfectly. sitting here thinking like, where would yeah, that have where gone? Was that? Yeah. yeah. The whole middle of the book. Yeah. I took it yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> that middle chunk. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Leanne, um, if you, if for our folks who are getting the Friends and Fiction newsletter, which I hope you are, you might have read today that Leanne didn't start writing fiction until she was 45. And you mentioned your first book, Helena Pasadena, and you said by the end of the book, she reinvents herself, and so did I. Would you talk a little bit about how you summon the courage to jump into the unknown and why it's so important for us, especially women, I think, to step out of our comfort zones and take those big leaps sometimes? Sure. I'm so happy to tell this story because um, that book gets mentioned to me every single week. It, you know, particularly I live in Pasadena, it meant a lot to women. But, um, you know, I was unemployed, basically. <laughs> I, found, I found that unemployment really freed up my time. Uh, you know, we have been doing... We had been doing Satellite Sisters very happily for eight years at ABC. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, Disney sold off the radio division. And we had been doing a show six days a week, live three hours a day, right? So just working six days a week with young kids. I mean, writing a couple of magazine columns. I was busy. And, um, and then I had nothing to do. So I sat on my couch and I watched Sweet Home Alabama like a hundred times. And then I thought, one. it's a good one. I mean... It doesn't hold up, Patty. I'm it doesn't. sorry to say. <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen it in 12 yeah. years. So it's, you're proud. Yeah. It's not holding up well. But at the time, it was exactly what I needed. But um, so and then I thought, well, I guess this is it. Like it was the global financial crisis in 2009. There weren't any other jobs in media. My sisters who had been employed on the radio with me went back to their day jobs, but I could only write and talk. That's all I could do. So I had been gathering, you know, 
bits and baubles for a novel for many years. I mean, I had been steadily writing magazine columns and business plans and party invitations, like writing a lot of stuff for Satellite Sisters, but never a word of fiction prose ever. And so I signed up in 2009 for an online writing class because I knew a couple things about myself. I knew that um, I needed public humiliation as a motivator. Like I needed to actually say to people, <laughs> well, I'm writing a novel, you know, or else I wasn't going to get anything done. And, um, and I needed- That's a very things. Catholic concept, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Expiation, oh, expiation. percent. And then I also needed to pay money and it wasn't like cheap. So I was like, I'm going to do this. And, um, and I, it was a 10 week class. And because my name was Dolan, I was the first one up. They're like, okay, 30 pages, submit it next week. And I was like a deadline. I was a good student. Okay. And I just wrote, <laughs> I wrote my first 30 pages. And without that class, I don't think I ever would have gotten started. Um, I met three or four writers in that class and then we stuck together and this was in the days before zoom and everything. So we were just Google docking. We didn't see people. We would just yeah. get in a chat room and chat. And yeah. I met three other writers and we stuck it out and we, we, I kept submitting pages. And at the end of the year I had a book and, um, and I sold it to a publisher here in Los Angeles. And it was just a fantastic publishing experience because <laughs> the publisher had never published fiction. And neither had I. So we knew almost <laughs> nothing about publishing fiction. And so we did it all wrong. You know, we brought it out in like November because it was, it had a rose parade setting. And so we're like, well, that rose parade's in January. You know, <laughs> and it was like, no, women's fiction comes out in May and June. No one told us that. And, you know, yeah. there, I had like one event and I thought, well, that's that. And then the book just caught fire and it stayed on the oh. LA Times bestseller list for a year. Um, it oh, just, awesome. and I did like, literally like a hundred book clubs that year and events. And um, it was just a dream publishing experience, but I, it was, I just had to force myself to do it. I mean, when you were saying, how do women do it? I think there's a joy to not knowing a lot about something. Like if I knew how hard publishing was or, you know, what the book business really meant, I might've talked myself out of it, but I had yeah. just enough knowledge to start, but not so much that I got caught up in, yeah. in my own head. And you can almost never recreate that. I mean, you've all written more books than I have. And it's hard to get that first writing experience back. It's such a special yes. experience, especially yes. when it works. So, um, but yeah, it was 45. It was in 2010 when that book came out. That's awesome. That's a great story. And it, it goes directly to even what we're about to talk about in this book, because one of the things that I think all of us in our writing like to explore in fiction is the idea that sometimes things need to blow up oh. in order for us to start again. And, you know, in my book, of course, Surviving Savannah, there's a ship that literally blows up. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, when these moments happen, you have no choice but to reevaluate your life. You're unemployed, you know, you know, in the home wreckers, she, I'm not gonna give it away. But your book has a few moments like that, too. As you mentioned, Joan's life changed forever when her beloved father passed away on September 11th. And then her life is spent spinning out of control when her husband drops that teensy-weensy little bombshell. And these are outside forces that force your characters to react. But in life and in art, I think things have to fall apart. So I want you to talk to us about the importance of moments like that, both on the page and in the real world, and why do these kinds of life-changing moments feel so compelling to tackle in fiction, and what can they teach us? <laughs> They're so compelling to tackle in fiction, less so in real life, I think. Yes. But, you know, in fiction, I, I don't know whether I was taught this, or I read this, or I knew this, but you really want to catch your main characters when something has happened in their life and they cannot go back. They can only yeah, go yeah. forward. Actually, yeah. I think that's a screenwriting trope that I picked up in a screenwriting class, but like there is an exciting incident and like it's over whatever the life they knew is done and they have to move forward. And that yeah. is a way to propel your character on their journey uh, in a way that's, that's real. And that's true. They can't, they can't go backwards to the husband that the, doesn't want them or, you know, to the ship that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really a fun way to start a book 
is a much harder way to live your life, you know, but I think I certainly have had experiences. I've watched my friends and my sisters go through life altering experiences. We all know people, people on this call that have gone through life altering experiences and you can't go backwards. You have to go forwards. I think the, I think the difference is sometimes it's a quick turnaround and other times it takes years. And sort of that's the story that we're all creating for ourselves. Like how long will it actually take to get to the other side if you ever get to the other side? So, but as fiction, it's, you know, it's, it's what I write books about as in life. It's, you know, what I, what I kind of steal myself for and prepare myself for and, and move forward. And, and, and I think in your, in your fiction, one of the things when, when things blow up or you can't turn around, I love that concept. Like you hit a dead, I always say you hit a dead end. I want to write a story where you're going along in your life and you hit a dead end and you have to turn left or right. Like you have no choice to keep going in the direction you were going. And you put your characters in there and we're along for the ride. But when you add a piece of art, it's even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had, you know, I got the idea. So Joan is an art courier and I got that idea because my nephew is married to a woman who's a, um, a curator at the Guggenheim in New York. And I was trying to figure out in the beginning of this book, like, how am I going to connect Joan to art? I knew I wanted to get her to Paris. I knew her father was an artist. The original title of this book was Joan of Art, as a matter of fact. Oh, so, yeah. but, you know, how you have that. to like figure out the pieces of the character so she can get there other than like Girls Weekend in Paris. You know, that didn't seem that compelling. And I was talking to my niece about her job. She had just started at the Guggenheim and she was like, yeah, I do this courier thing where I have to take take paintings. I take, you know, them from the Guggenheim in New York to the Guggenheim in Venice or Bilbao or, or Vegas. And it sounds super glamorous, but it's not, it's like a lot of time in warehouses and I have to stay with the painting and, and my head exploded. I was like, Oh my gosh, how has there not been a book written about an art career? Like that's just such a fantastic career for a character uh, on a book like this. So, you know, immediately I came home and I, um, I did my research, you know, I Googled art career and a whole bunch of things came up. And one was this fantastic um, series of stories from the New York Post. So, you know, they're going to be good, right? Mary <laughs> this is your territory, journalism at its finest about this uh, art heist in New York where an art courier had just been taking a painting from a buyer to a seller. They're private art couriers too. And he had the painting and then he ran into his ex-boyfriend and so he sat for lunch and then they got drunk and he had an argument and he got in a cab and he left the painting in the cab and the car and the painting's gone. He never saw. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was like, Oh, this is good. So then I click on the next story. It's even better because he set the whole thing up. It was all a heist all along. The boyfriend was in on it. The cab driver was in on it. It took the New York police five years to unravel this duplicity. And that's when I realized, oh, I could do something like that. Like, I thought it was going to be complicated to do an art heist, like, you know, Mission Impossible and lasers and people coming out of the museum ceiling. It's like people getting drunk and getting in a cab. I can write that. So so that's how I even came up with that little, little bit. It was just a conversation with my niece and then a little bit of a little bit of Googling. Okay. Well, oh my! I'm stuck on the cab. Oh my god! Oh my god! Who amongst us has not had a, a couple of cocktails and gotten in a cab? <laughs> and left <laughs> something in the back seat. Just not be the art. Yo, Ma left his cello in the cab a couple of years ago. No. <laughs> he did. He left his no. It can't. Okay. It's not a pun, but it was a big story. <laughs> All right. Let's talk, Leanne, about Satellite Sisters, another very important part of your life. Yes. We know that Satellite Sisters began its life as a weekly radio show 20 years ago, then moved to ABC Radio where it was live three hour a day, six weeks, a, six days a week for five years. Then you said, you you know, you became one of the first podcasts geared specifically toward women. You and your sisters have been trailblazers in so many ways. For those of us out there who haven't listened to your podcast yet, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we describe the show as the sound of friendship and we always have. It's it's the idea creatively is imagine spending an hour with your friends over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. What are the things you talk about? You'd start with, hey, how was your week? You know, what, what's been happening in your life? Oh, did you see these couple of news stories like, hey, did anyone read this great book? And then end with what are you doing next week? 
I mean, that's sort of literally the layout of our show in terms of how we break it down. But it's, you know, what would be an hour of conversation that you would have with your friends? Friends that you love, but you don't always agree with. Friends that you love, but you have different opinion on. Friends that you love, but you have different jobs. You have different marital statuses. Some have kids, some don't have kids. So, you know, we wanted to bring broad life experiences uh, to a place that was friendly and not confrontational. I mean, when we started the show, it was two, you know, just before 2000 and, you know, talk radio was just people screaming at each other yeah. and we just, just men screaming at each other. And we're like, there has to be something <laughs> other than this. Yeah. And my sister Liz was like, we should do it. We should start a radio show where it's just us talking to each other, like our weekly phone calls. And, you know, that was really the simple creative idea that started it. Uh, and it's, it's the reason we're still going because it wasn't so complicated that we couldn't keep it up. It allowed for people to have their own lives and have their own opinions. We didn't all have to march in line and agree with one another or disagree with one another. We didn't, we don't have fake fights on satellites. <laughs> there's no drinks, real ones, but not no drinks thrown in faces. You know, we're just, we all, we all know that like at the end of the day, we have to have Thanksgiving dinner together, you know, so that keeps us in check. But, but that was the basic creative idea. And we particularly wanted to take a look at the the parts of women's lives that that don't make headline news. You know, the day to day decisions we make every day about our mm -hmm. families and our parents' health and our children and our careers that that don't fit neatly into a category that might be covered on Good Morning America. You know, yeah. these are just real people having conversations. So that's that's what it's about. And that's what it stayed over 20 years. I love that. You know, on your website, you say you've interviewed everyone from Nora Ephron to Madeline Albright to Big Bird. So <laughs> all gone now, all gone now, which is all really has left us. Uh, but uh, I want you to tell us about one or two of your favorite, just us, just us three girls. Okay. One or two of your favorite <laughs> interviews and why they meant so much to you. I think it's fascinating. Well, I, I'm going to say right off the bat, Nora Ephron, because, uh, you know, I bet. Oh, you yeah. know, just she's in she's in the materials for a reason. Like, first of all, she was so lovely and gracious. We were just like five girls from Connecticut doing a radio show and we had figured it out. And we just couldn't believe she knew who we were and that she listened to us and that she loved her sisters and she was interested in what we were doing. She could not have been more gracious and supportive, both on the air and off the air and the little awesome. recall. Plus, her career is just something I really admire because she's moved across so many genres and she started in one place. And then, you know, it, it was hard to be a director and writer in Hollywood when she was blazing a trail. And, and she did so with such grace and humor. So absolutely, like Nora Ephron. Uh, would be one of my favorites. I mean, I tended to love the writers because I, again, I hadn't written any prose yet. So I was like, I was honing my craft during these interviews, trying to get, you know, uh, information. I loved Nick Hornby when we had him on the show. Oh, wow. He's such a funny, charming writer, and he just could not have been more delightful. Uh, Frank McCourt was on the show. Who wrote oh, another one we lost. Yeah. I know. And he came into the studio, and because he had been a teacher, and my sister Sheila is on the show at the time, was a teacher. She did a real teacher thing, and she wrote a big sign that said, Welcome, Mr. McCourt, into the studio. Oh. <laughs> oh. like snacks for him and everything. He was like, okay, this is strange. Uh, <laughs> awesome. But he was just charming. So I, I do have to say, it was I loved all the writers. We, uh, we had a chance to talk to J.J. Abrams, who was working on Alias at the time, the writer of that, the TV writer. And now he's gone on to do 8 million things. But... I admired his work back then. And so I just love talking to the writers on the show for sure. That's awesome. and, and I have to say Madeline Albright because, uh, oh, you yeah. know, just a huge first, an important milestone for women, such a breakthrough. She was such a hero for working moms. Um, you know, her husband had just left her. She didn't know what her career was going to be. She was raising these daughters. And, you know, the next thing yeah. you know, she's the Secretary of State. So a huge admirer of hers. But just... Amazing to get to talk to the people that are your heroes, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, what an amazing journey you've gotten to be on. That's awesome. It's true. We, all have, we have a good job. I, have, I love my work. I love my work. So do we. That's I feel awesome. like we're we the like I know. I know. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift to get to talk to people and, you know, kind of dig beneath the surface a little bit and pick their brains. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like we always come out better people for it. 
Um, I, I agree. You learn yeah. a little something with every conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely do. You're totally right. You know, Leanne, as we mentioned earlier in the show, this month marks the two-year anniversary of our very first live show on April 15th, 2020. And like Satellite Sisters in a lot of ways, our show celebrates friendships and the things that bring us together. Um, so you and your sisters actually wrote a book called You're the Best, A Celebration of Friendship, which came out in uh, 2015. So it feels fitting to ask you this question. Can you talk to us a bit about the importance of having solid friends and family in your life and about the importance of finding community like your listeners find on Satellite Sisters and like we hope our members find here in the Friends and Fiction community? Well, I mean, I don't know where I'd be without my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I mean, every day I'm grateful for them. And I think that's yeah. true. The more the older you get and the more you go through, the more you appreciate the people that have been around you for years. Yeah. So we wrote that book, actually. It was really a direct response to losing both our parents in a very short yeah. period of time. The book came out in 2015, and we had lost our parents in 2012 and 2013. And we just all had this sense that we had to say thank you to our friends for getting us through that period. Yeah. And remember, we all have our own friends. Like, we all live in different places, and we all have our yeah. own friends. And in different ways, those people had shown up time and time again um, in the later years of my parents' lives, but really all throughout our lives. So it was just really like a thank you note to our friends for getting us up and getting us going and getting us, us through. Yeah. That was just yeah. super valuable. You can't put a price on that. And, um, you know, we we talk a lot about the sense of connection on Satellite Sisters, that we have all these other senses, the sense of adventure and the sense of self, but it's the sense of connection that really gives meaning yes. to our lives, that yes. being someone's friend, being someone's sister, being someone's, you know, niece, being someone's aunt, those are invaluable, those relationships. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that is really what makes it all matter. So, I mean, you built a tremendous community, so you're feeling that now when you can reach out yeah. and connect other people. It's really extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. we started Satellite Sisters, there was no internet. I mean, there was internet, but we yeah. just, we had a website, you know, and we got email. Yeah. And then, like, when social media, like, our whole plan all along was to create a community of women, but we thought the website could do it, and the show, yeah. and, it, and it did in ways. But then when social media showed up, we're like, there is a huge value to this and a way to create a community beyond what we what we ever dreamed of. And I'm sure you see that with yeah. your people now. We see with our people, with listeners all over the globe. They've connected on their own. They've created satellite sister groups. It's an extraordinary legacy that we did not anticipate when we started the show. It was a theory, but it was it didn't seem real. And and so and they they sort of go forth and, and share similar values. It's a nice place on the internet, our little corner of the world, Satellite oh, Sisters, as, awesome. as your place is. Yeah, you know? we feel the same. Yeah. I know. We feel, yeah. we, I think we all feel so, so um, just grateful that it's turned out that way. You know, I, yeah. I mean, if you're anything like us, and I know you are, you put so much time and effort and heart into trying to grow this community. Um, and, and it's, but you it's also model that by the show you have. I mean, the show you have models that and the relationships you have with each other is a model to your community. If you were yelling and screaming all the time, <laughs> that is not our way. You wouldn't have a nice Facebook group, but you're not doing that. You're, you know, and that's really what, you know, you're not like trash talking other women. Out here. You're not doing that. And so that doesn't happen over on your Facebook group. Well, good point. Well, speaking of our nice community, we're just going to pull two live questions for you because we love okay. having our um, our viewers ask you questions. Mary Kay, would you like to ask one first? Yeah, um, there are a ton of questions for you, Leanne. Maybe you want to come back and answer them on the page. Catherine Aday says, what writing course did you take and would you recommend it now? Um, I took a, a class through a group that no longer exists. So oh, I, but my writing teacher, her name is Erica Mailman, and you can Google her, Erica Mailman, and uh, she she still teaches writing. But um, so it worked for it worked for me. I would say, oh, there are so many good writers out there, and they are adjuncts at community colleges, and they have started their own writing classes. There are a lot of great writers out there teaching online. So, you know, find one that works for you. Some people may much prefer to be in person and to meet the people in person. 
you know, maybe maybe you want to go and Los Angeles has the UCLA Writers Extension, great classes. I'm sure many other cities do. So find one that is going to work for your schedule. The one I actually took no longer exists. Okay. But worth it, worth it. Um, I, I, I took classes when I first started to write too, and I don't think those classes exist yeah. anymore either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, it was a long time ago. Um, yeah. A lot of people are, are just on here saying how much they love Satellite Sisters, how, you know, how much they love you, how funny you are, how engaging you are. But Carrie Soderman wants to know if you actually collect art or if that's just for the book. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, we have art on our walls. Uh, I, it's not fancy art. Like, we collect art that we like. We we did, when my husband and I were first married, um, we're like, we're going to buy a piece of art every year. We bought, like, one decent piece of art on our first anniversary. And then we had kids, and we stopped by. Yep. <laughs> that was the end yep. of our collection for 20 years. But, you know, everywhere we go, we get a little something. I mean, those posters like in the back just... We took a trip to Austin and I went into a gallery and those are from a local Austin artist. They're just lithographs, but you know, once you frame them, it looks, they looks great. So, and then we do have my husband's great uncle was an artist, um, uh, was a watercolor painter and an illustrator, both World War One and World War Two. So we oh, have a lot of his work because he did a lot of war posters, some of which are quite famous and uh, in the Smithsonian and things like that. So we have, oh, we, have really, we have collected his work as well, sort of bought things uh, at various oh. auction houses just to sort of reassemble his collection. And that kind of started it. But the key is framing because uh, <laughs> really, I mean, the other stuff in the bag is just my kids' artwork from second grade. But I framed yeah, it. And awesome. it was <laughs> Awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, Leanne, one of our favorite parts of the show always is to ask for a writing tip because, you know, it, we just we learn so much. All of us, the community out there, the three of us, the four of us when Christy's with us. So do you by any chance have a writing tip you can share with us tonight? Sure. Uh, you know, I've been teaching a couple of writing workshops lately and I get a lot of moms at the group and, you know, they wonder how can I make the time to write? I use writing sprints all the time. I don't know if you guys do writing sprints where you just we do. We do. We yeah, finish just, our book that way. Yeah, <laughs> you just set the timer and you hit it. And it doesn't matter if it's 15 minutes or a half an hour or an hour. You don't second guess yourself. You just put as many words on the page as you can. And I, you know, I suggest to these moms, just try to get in the head, like, even if it's 15 minutes, just do it. Just spend 15 minutes. You'll be surprised how much that adds up. So if you're a beginner writer or just struggling to finish stuff, the writing sprint, and that means the phone goes off, like the TV's off, you're in a quiet room, you have a clock and you hit it and you go. I, I use them all the time to just sort of push through really hard sections of the book and get some words on the page. Love it. I love that. And, you know, we usually ask authors to give us a book suggestion, and we'd love to know what you're reading. But there's a question the New York Times Book Review asks authors that we also love, and that is, what book might we be surprised to find in your library or on your nightstand that you're currently Ooh. reading? Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> this, I mean, you're not going to be surprised, but and it's not a book, but uh I am just one woman trying to save the magazine business. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's now I'm, I'm decades into this one woman. Uh, <laughs> but I so, and now there are so few magazines actually publishing. I get them all because all my other subscriptions. So I now get People magazine. Like I've never gotten People before in my life, and every week I'm like, there's so much good stuff in People magazine. I should have been reading this for a long time. I get People Magazine and I get Southern Living, which I don't, I've never subscribed to Southern Living. It's fine, but none of the plants work out here, so, or the food. But, um, so, uh, but I get right. any magazine that's publishing, I get a copy of it. So that's, awesome. you know, that's just the fun stuff on my nightstand is a lot of random magazines, because uh, I'm trying to save the magazine business. So. I'm doing the same thing with newspapers. I have okay. digital, I have digital subscriptions to four different newspapers. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's yeah. understandable. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> so, Both of you saving the world. I guess Kristen, I know. we need to figure out 
what we're doing. I, I, I also have four online newspaper subscriptions. Yeah. And I also I recently two. started receiving people, I think as a substitute for um, Entertainment Weekly when it's for everything. It's just, I, yeah. For Which everything. is terrible because I used to write for people. How awful is that that I wasn't That's already right. receiving it? You know, I, right. just, I just saw today that this month is Martha Stewart Living's last print edition that's so sad oh, so wow. many of them are going away i know um, i know i mean health magazine yeah, just no. went out of business oh, like minutes ago so i know i know so, and i think yeah gosh i i just i love that feel of a magazine in my hands those beautiful layouts and so, I mean, you, know, just, them, you know i have yeah. a whole all collect i have a museum yeah. magazine museum in my house with oh. all the <laughs> gourmets and the bon appetits and you know oh my gosh going to show up at your door one of these days. That's it's right up, right well, up my alley. It's well, before 1992, uh, Bon Appetit. I got you're it. my girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, before Pinterest, Pinterest rolled around, I used to save all my like veranda, all my decorating magazines. I used to save them all in these boxes, like spine out because you would save like ideas and pictures with right. magazines in these boxes. And when we moved 11 years ago, I was like, oh, now there's Pinterest. So, yeah. so you threw them away? <laughs> you could have brought them to Leon. <laughs> I could have mailed them to you, Where but else? I wasn't going to put them in the like 10 years yeah. of verandas in a moving truck. And also like, you didn't know her then. So that would have been a little weird. Okay. That would have been weird to mail her. Yeah. random box yeah. of magazines showing from, up. From someone. Yeah, that would be strange. All right, Leon, if you would not, if you would not mind sticking around for a few more minutes, we sure. have another question for you. But first, a few reminders from us. Well, we hope you guys missed us as much as we missed you during our two week break. And also during that time, Surviving Savannah came out in paperback. Yes, we ran a video did. on April 6th, the week it came out with all four of us plus Meg and Ron at the Ships of the Sea Museum in Savannah, talking about the book and showing you some of the incredible artifacts from the real-life ship at the center of Surviving Savannah. But since we were off that week, we didn't get to celebrate the paperback launch live with all of you. So let's take a moment now to give Patty a little round of applause. Yay! And if you haven't read it yet, you can find the paperback of Surviving Savannah wherever books are sold. And you, you couldn't and tell, are, but are I was cursing. Sisters. Yeah. Yes, you guys came out the same date. Seen. That's right, April 5th. Yeah, mm -hmm. with the rest of the world. So <laughs> you can't see, but I'm curtsying. Thank you okay. very much. Curtsying. All right. Have you all brought your coffee from Charleston Coffee Roasters yet? I have. And I had some this morning. <laughs> and everyone in the friends and fiction community gets 20% off all bagged coffee on their website with the code coffee with friends. All lowercase, all one word. And also be sure to enter this unbelievable giveaway because we are picking three winners, one each in March, April, and May to win a three-month Coffee of the Month subscription. So for three months, you get the Coffee of the Month. It's a $90 value, and you can get in it to win it by using the entry form on our social media and in our newsletter. So y'all, good luck. And now just a quick reminder of our Writer's Block podcast. We'll always drop links under announcements each time a new one drops. A new episode drops. I love that word. You're so good like at I'm, it. I know. I just feel so hip and with it when I say yeah. that. <laughs> kind of like when you say holla. I like when you say yeah. that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I am silently flipping you a bird off. <laughs> I don't think that was very silent, to be honest. Okay. okay. No, I uh, was just... Um, scratching my head um, a new episode drops each friday on the last episode ron talked to andrew niederman about the woman beyond the attic you know that attic the one in vc andrews flowers in the attic and this week ron will talk to rachel barenbaum about her hit atomic anna and bonnie garmus with her novel lessons in chemistry about women's science and fiction and you know um lessons in chemistry did it hit the book? The yeah, it hit the list this week. Yeah, this week for the first time. So yeah, we are so with it. Yep, we're so we're so um, on top of it. I don't. We don't even know the word. We're so not cool. The thing when you're like cut. Oh, cutting edge. We're so cutting edge. That that thing. That yeah. word. That word when you're ahead of the 
crowd. That one. <laughs> trend so, spotters. We're trend spotters. We're trend makers, to be honest. Really? Literary tastemakers, miss. Meg says we're literary tastemakers. Literary tastemakers. <laughs> there you go. You said it. I'm like, I'm not sure. You're a literary pacemaker. <laughs> you keep the heart beating in the literary world. That's what you do. That's us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. We have an incredible spring and summer schedule coming up with Writer's Block, and it's posted on our Facebook page. So go check it out and see all the amazing people we have coming up. Oh, we're so excited. So we know many of you have been participating in our very first Friends in Fiction Reading Challenge. This month, we're encouraging you to read a book featuring a fictional account of a historical event. And if you're looking for a way to keep track of these books and your other reading, we would love to recommend this beautiful reading journal designed by us in conjunction with independent bookstore Oxford Exchange. As you can see, it has a gorgeous Friends and Fiction blue linen cover. And inside, you'll find plenty of space to record your thoughts on what you're reading. We love seeing your posts on the page about how you're participating in the reading challenge. And as usual, to remind you, if you're not hanging out with us over on the Friends and Fiction official book club, which is another Facebook page, and it is run by our friends Lisa Harrison and Bredna Gardner. They are now more than 11,000 strong, and we are over there hanging out. And on May 6th, there's a hop, hop, hoppy, <laughs> a hoppy, happy hour, a happy hour with Ron, and I will get to visit too. So that's on May 6th over on the other Facebook page. And my gosh, you guys, you're just taking over now. You're just the app. Essentially. Pages, and live we're literary pacemakers. Come I'm on. sorry. That's true. You're pacemakers. <laughs> we're pacemakers. Yeah, and we're there's more. So much more. Make sure, to make sure you get your Ginzu steamer if you join us on our next episode of Friends in Fiction next Wednesday night right here at 7 p.m. We're going to welcome Jane Green with her new book, Sister Stardust, and Kimberly Brock will stop by for the after show to talk about the lost book of Eleanor Dare. And if you're ever wondering about our schedule, and I know it keeps you awake at night, but, you know, the schedule is fabulous. And it's always on our Friends in Fiction website and on their header graphic on our Facebook page. All right, Leanne, we are yeah. turning our attention to you. So wake up. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. We are the pacemaker. We are the pacemaker to get you awake. There you go. Oh, God, I'm going to throw up, Sean. Don't do that. Okay. I think we've asked you before about the values around reading and writing in your childhood. So we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. I want you to talk to us about what you learned with all those sisters in childhood and friendships. What have you learned that's found your way into your books? <laughs> um, yeah, reminder, I also have three brothers. So there yes. are eight, eight, eight kids yeah. in our family. And I'm, eight I'm the youngest. kids. Yeah, I'm the youngest of eight. So mainly I learned to like stay low and brace for impact. You know, I mean, that was basically <laughs> the biggest life lesson I have. Um, but... You know, when there are that many people around your dinner table, you just really have to work on your material. Like you can, no one cares. No one cared about me. Like no one cared what I did all day. They didn't, I was like eight, they were teenagers. You think they cared about my math test? So I used to have to actually like work on my material before the dinner table. I would. Oh my gosh, I love this. I would practice stories in the bathroom, like shape up, like, okay, the classroom gerbil. I got it. I got, I got some material on that. And, um, <laughs> and that has served me really well. I mean, I, I still work on my material. I talk to myself constantly. And, I, you know, when I'm walking the dog, I'm just a steady stream of me talking to me about me. So um, I'm just <laughs> always working on my material. But the, dog that, doesn't, the dog doesn't even get to get a word in edgewood. <laughs> She's very patient. She's very patient. So, but I think, you know, I think that was it. Like we, we had sort of a competitive, lively dinner table and you had to bring it. And, you know, a tight story, if it was funny, even better, you know, no, no sidetracking, just boom, beginning, middle, end. I think that's helped me tremendously. I mean, truly. Oh, my that's gosh, awesome. that's so great. 
Yeah, I love that. All right, Leon, before we let you go, would you tell everyone where to find you, where to find your new book, and where to find all things Leon Dolan? Sure. I mean, Leon Dolan was, Leon is a hard name to spell, but it's right there. It's under, so <laughs> you can go to leondolan.com or satellitesisters.com. Satellite okay. people have a hard time with. It's one T, two L's. But uh, so <laughs> leondolan.com or satellitesisters.com. And the book can be found any, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, so I love that you have the bookshop.org page. That's great. I love bookshop.org. Um, so, but Lost and Found in Paris is anywhere now. That's awesome. Well, Leanne, thank you so much for joining oh, us. It's such a joy. You. You're always so much, so much fun to fun. hang out with. This was really a pleasure. I just, I don't know if you know, well, first of all, I don't usually drink glass wine at four o'clock on a Wednesday, but look, it's the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. Oh, oh, that's awesome. How appropriate. So I'm just drinking wine out of the Eiffel Tower for you guys. I don't normally <laughs> drink this time of day. Here, wow. peer, pressure, peer pressure can be a big thing. <laughs> Cheers. Well, thank as, you. Oh, thank you so much for coming. And as Meg pointed out, we're literary defibrillators. So in addition that to too. being literary pacemakers, so... It's going to have something to do with that. I don't know. So cheers to that. We well, yeah, we'll wine come out of her nose, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> Leanne, thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thank you. Bye, my friend. Now, to all of you out there, um, you know, I, we had talked about doing an after show, but Christy's not here tonight. I know we're going to want to celebrate um, next week with her, you know, for our two month, two year, two month, what am I saying? Two year anniversary. Yep. So tonight we're going to let you go. But what a beautiful night we had tonight with Leon. Um, don't yeah. forget, you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We are live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Plus, you'll have access to special short clips. So be sure to come back next week, same time, same place, as we welcome Jane Green and Kimberly Brock. Good night, everybody. Good night, Good night. everybody. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.